This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel Prue, who, uh, who's down in schoolroom three, administering Starfleet Academy entrance exams to the Enterprise children. Uh, in, any promising candidates this year, Daniel? You know, I got to tell you, we, we try to come up with the most ridiculous uh, <laughs> tests that you could think of for every possible candidate. You know what I'm saying? Like very, really specific things that would take months of preparation time. And, you know, there could be anything that goes wrong. We really, we really want to scare the crap out of these children. This is basically Starfleet scared straight. So, you know, uh, right now we're not really sure how the tests are going to go, but, but we're optimistic that, uh, you know, for, for every one student that we put six months of preparation time in, maybe, you know, maybe we'll, or excuse me, for every 10 children, maybe we'll get one possible candidate. So it's, it's really worth the time invested for sure. All right. And don't you also own, uh, run the dare program down there? <laughs> anyway, you're, you're, you're doing a great job. And I'm well. I'm also joined by my co-host, acting ensign Darren Moser, who is manning the con for the very first time. So, uh, how are you handling your duties there, Darren? So many buttons. Uh, I- I'm doing good. I- I've read the technical manual, the co- uh, pad cover to pad cover, and it, I-, I feel I feel really confident that I'm not going to crash the ship into a planet like a more experienced bridge officer would. So I think I think your odds of uh, getting safely to our destination, I think they're think they're pretty good. I, I feel confident. But didn't didn't this used to be on the other side of the bridge? I I, I can't I can't quite remember. Uh, Darren, Darren, as soon as we get you a real uniform and out of that sweater, then you can start criticizing my interior decorating on the bridge. Okay. Hey, you just said no children on the bridge. You did not say no ugly sweaters on the bridge. Okay, those were your exact words, <laughs> Troy. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as our audience can probably tell, today's topic we're doing one of those rare Earl Grey character profiles because we've almost been um, doing this program for almost three fourths of a year. We've not even come close to doing all of the main characters here um, in Star Trek: The Next Generation, but today. We're we're going to discuss Wesley Crusher, a very you know, controversial figure, I suppose, and and we're going to get into it right away. So, so Daniel, I'm going to go with you first. You know, here's the big thing: Wesley Crusher, annoying or not as annoying? Go, Dan. <laughs> Those are my two options. Um, you know, actually, if okay, so if we're going to place it on that scale, I will have to say that it's kind of a really consistent bell curve for me. Um, growing up, I was like, <clears throat> I loved Wesley Crusher. I thought he was awesome. You know, now I, when I, when I watch the episodes, I'm like, okay, 
um, there are some that I can do without. And it's funny because it's like the early season one episodes, actually most of season one probably. Once they get him in a uniform, I'm okay with him. Season three, he does great. Season four, he's fantastic, even though he leaves halfway through. And then what they do with him towards the end and when they kept cutting him out of movies, I was just like, oh, I don't like where they went with the character. But, um, I, I, you know, he is annoying in the beginning. The character of Wesley Crusher is obnoxious because you have really amazing, talented, wonderful crew members here that apparently are incompetent unless Wesley Crusher comes up and, and saves the Enterprise. I understand that frustration. Uh, I actually think he's he's a worthwhile character. Like I said, in season two and season three and half of season four, uh, I really like what they did with the character. And, um, you know, he matured a lot, I think, in those couple of years. And I like, as as a young man growing up at that time, I appreciated that because I was like, man, what if I was on the Enterprise, man? Would Commander Riker and Worf like me? Like, it would be great. You know what I mean? But it's... Uh, no, I don't think he's annoying. I mean, he is annoying sometimes. Don't don't get me wrong. But um, overall, I actually do kind of like Wesley Crusher. Selectively. Selectively, I will say that. Okay, so, so Daniel's taking the Sheldon point of view for this episode. Um, <laughs> so Darren, um, you know, because this is, this is always the big topic. You know, when the show ran, it was very big. You know, oh, Wesley is super annoying, blah, blah, blah. Wesley, die, 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 I think was the uh, chat group. Um, but, you know, maybe things have changed. But what do you think, Darren? What, what's your overall impressions about Mr. Crusher? I would say overall, Wesley's not really annoying. I mean, I think the character as a whole was kind of poorly written. And I think more goes to that where, I mean, we've seen we've seen younger characters characters like Naomi Wildman be written very well and and work really well into a series. So to that regard, I mean, yes, it's obviously this is supposed to be the you, you know, you, you're, you, through your eyes. I mean, we've talked about it before, that moment when he goes onto the bridge and he is offered the captain's chair and the point of view camera shifts <laughs> to Wesley's point of view and he's like, have a seat over here. And, you know, every fanboy is just like dying inside because it's just, oh my gosh, the center chair. But, you know, but but those moments aside, I think, uh, I think, yeah, man, if they just written him a little better, I think he would be more of a fan favorite but unfortunately due to the 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 lackluster writing for his character which is kind of hard in a in a ensemble type series like this where there's just so many characters to flesh out i mean you had that one person who didn't even show up in the second season on you know that that got who not written very well i can't, I can't remember her name uh but uh He's talking about yar also dan oh yeah that's right, that's right yeah. crush beverly uh, crusher she showed up later on. Don't worry about it, Darren. She'll come back. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Well, that, 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 that's reassuring. And Spoilers. Then, you know, like Beverly or uh, Troy's, you know, character was highly underutilized, at least until they finally put her in a in uniform. But, but those things aside, I think, yeah, I think Wesley Crusher is a fun character. Uh, and, you know, he definitely gives us some great lines. Overall impressions first. I mean, I, I think, um, I don't think, Wesley, as a character, when I was doing my rewatch, I didn't necessarily find him annoying. I think the situations are annoying. I mean, like what you said, Daniel, you know, Wesley either causes and or fixes the problem 
of the episode. And so, which is not his fault that apparently he's the only one who who knows what's going on, but it's sort of the circumstances that are around him um, that are, I guess, causing the problem. So I, I, like when I watch him, I don't think like, oh gosh, you know, uh, Wesley, get off the screen. It's just more like, oh, why is he the only one that looked at the answer key or the script? Um, so, but... Well, the first, I'm going to kind of do this chronologically. So kind of the first thing I want to talk about with Wesley, and this has actually surprised me when I was sitting down to think about it, because I wanted to talk about Wesley as just the normal kid on the Enterprise. You know, no ensign, no acting ensign, no bridge duties, just Wesley Crusher, you know, there to be, you know, the doctor's kid and, you know, be a kid on the Enterprise, kind of like what you were talking about, Darren. So, but I was kind of surprised when I sat down and was looking at the episode orders that there wasn't a lot, there wasn't much of a time that, that, that was just his only role. I mean, like, cause it's basically where no one has gone before is when he becomes an acting ensign. It's like the fourth episode. So I was like, okay, but I mean, you know, just talking about, and, and Darren kind of, kind of you, you mentioned it like outside of bridge duties, what did you see in Wesley just being a regular kid on a starship? I mean, what was sort of that point of view that you, that you saw talking about, you know, being the young viewer, what you got out of it. Well, I mean, he obviously loved the holodeck. Uh, he was there <laughs> quite often. He used that for, you know, his, his, his dates. Uh, you know, he was often doing schoolwork, uh, which didn't seem to be as supervised by Commander Riker as, as it was much expected. But, but, you know, but you have to give it, I can kind of understand the reactions though of the bridge crew because, Okay, imagine this is on Earth now in our time, and you have, like, let's say the aircraft carrier Enterprise. And for some reason, there are now families stationed on this ship as it's on its tour of duty. And there are children, and they really want to hang out on the bridge of the Enterprise. I mean, it would make no sense at all. Like, I mean, for us, it's Star Trek, and everything's modern, and everything's slick. But it's still the nerve center of the whole ship. Like, you know, you still don't want to hit the wrong button and scar yourself for life like that one kid. But, uh, you know, I, I think – so in that regard, it is kind of Hero worship. Yeah, hero worship. But, uh, but, you know, I think we could have seen more of Wesley, you know, just in the background, just, you know, doing – kid things or playing in the arboretum and not necessarily causing the problems every week, but just being a kid. You mean like having, having friends, maybe like giving him a co-cast. Like having snowball fights in the holodeck and spreading viruses throughout the ship? It's really hard to, to be bored on a ship like this, Philip, okay? It's has, just impossible. It's forbidden, actually. <laughs> have fun. You will have fun. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? Because I know, you know, you're... Of a, of a young age when you watch too. I mean, just again, n none of the bridge officer duty, saving the ship, just Wesley roaming around the ship, being a kid and having ice cream thrown in his face. You know, what was, what was sort of that experience you saw from Wesley? That's the part I found the most annoying. Um, once they gave him a place, like I said, it was season two when they put him in a uniform, when they gave him the spot on the bridge, when they said, here's something to do where I was like, okay, fine. If this kid is a wunderkind, right? I can buy that. You don't have to shove it down my throat all the time. But, you know, just, you know, him doping around, just 
creating holodeck viruses with his friend on the holodeck. I, I didn't care. I don't care. I really don't. I really just, I don't care. Yeah, because I remember the first time we did this uh, Earl Grey, Daniel actually told Darren and I that if we could stop him from making an ass of himself with children, he'd really <laughs> appreciate that. So, <laughs> Exactly so. Well, you know, I I, I try. I mean, I... I Maybe I mean I'm good with my own kid, but I mean other kids. I don't know. No, I can't. I, I can't say it, guys. I'm actually I'm great with kids. That's right. Kids. You, you can me. you can stick Darren in a turbo lift with, with kids anytime. He'll be fine. I have so many fun games we can play with, like the fiber optic cable, and I mean I can invent a game out of anything. What song would you sing in the turbo lift as you climbed? <laughs> well, you know, there, there's the purist who would only go with Frere Jacques, but I like to shake it up a little bit and. I think a little bit of row, row, row your boat. It has its place in the Star Trek universe. It, it's a it's a classic. It you, survived into the 24th century, which is saying a lot. You don't know the laughing Vulcan and his dog? Uh, you know, I, I missed that class at Vulcan 101, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> It's Vulcanian yeah, I 101. Think actually, I think <laughs> you're pulling my leg because uh, laughing Vulcan, right, that right there, I just know you're lying. <laughs> Vulcans never lie in song form. Um, now, one of the things that, that Daniel mentioned, and this actually does get me, because it's not only Wesley, but almost other kids um, in the next generation, but we'll stick with Wesley, obviously. A, a bulk of Wesley's time um, when he was there in the Enterprise D was preparing to go to the Academy. You know, it was always he was doing a class prepare to the Academy. He was studying prepare to the Academy. He was taking a test prepare to go to the Academy, which, you know, if he's such a wonder kid, I mean, good, good goodness. What's, what about just the regular kids? What do they have to go through to get to the Academy? You know? So, I mean, what'd you, what'd you think Daniel about, you know, I don't know, again, as a kid, you want to go to Starfleet Academy, right? And you saw poor Wesley had to take 58 tests and 28 psychological profiles and go on 15 <laughs> missions before he could, you know, pass his SAT, you know, what was sort of that experience? Because we saw coming of age and stuff like that. What did you think about the get, getting into the academy experience for Wesley? Yeah, they really tried to stretch that, didn't they? Like, really bad. Um, I mean, I, like, I appreciate that maybe... Okay, so there, okay, there were four very competent young, young people in that episode. In com it's coming of age, right? Right. Where um, they all have to t pass these tests, these crazy, crazy tests. And technically only the guy that uh, – um, I'm going to be a racist Daniel here now because <laughs> Mordok, Mendok, uh, you know, he passes – Mendon. <laughs> was it Mordon, Mordin, Mordok? It's like, are you kidding me? It was the blue guy. Is it every person – look, look. Come on now, and I and I know these are technically separate universes, but in the JJ verse, Kirk only had to trade in his his little motorcycle to to get into Starfleet Academy, and he was done in three years. Like, what, I don't understand. If everybody has to go through this rigorous of a process, it seems like there would be ten graduates of Starfleet Academy per year. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, on the other hand, I do appreciate <laughs> the end result of it. Like when we actually do get to see him. In Starfleet Academy, I do like, I, I do like to see that play out. But it's just like they were, tr they kept trying to stall because they didn't, you know, will, you know, Will Wheaton was on the show and they didn't want to get rid of him, so they were like, oh, he could go to the academy or he could just continue his studies here. Let's come up with a reason why that would be a thing. And I like how he kept, he kept missing the bus. Exactly. Like, oh, the shuttle will take. Oh, it's gone. 
Sorry. You'll have to wait another year. Isn't I mean he he not only did he miss the bus, he missed the hood, right? In that one episode. <laughs> Isn't that what it was? Yeah. Well, it's the it's the Riker Captain syndrome. It's like, yeah. well, obviously our character should progress, but then he wouldn't be a regular on the show anymore. <laughs> and that's kind of a problem. I mean, but you'd think like, well, maybe we should have designed this galaxy class with like, I don't know, maybe a small college uh what are those like like college at sea you know a semester at sea and so maybe there's like the academy has their own little semester at sea group and he could just pair up with some of those freshmen i don't know i mean it's a fictional story for goodness sakes you could write whatever you want couldn't you take like an advanced placement course and like go to starfleet academy as like a junior or something i mean i figure he would have enough credit enough time i mean like if this is like the real world because i have to assume you know not everyone lives on a planet right i mean kids live in space it's a thing now in the 24th century um you know is it really like you know well if you if you miss it you know you may be like 48 by the time you get to the academy finally because you keep missing the shuttle to the, that will take the one person <laughs> you know no let's be fair Let's be completely fair. Wesley is saving the flagship of the United Federation of Planets. He would have 14 Medal of Honors at this point. Like he would there's I mean there's no equivalency. He would he would he would be president of 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 Starfleet Academy before they let him in, I think. It's just so ridiculous. It's like come on now. You well, well, like You mean the boy? That, Philip, <laughs> the boy. Well, like you're saying about that the test though, it's like it's totally ridiculous because okay, it's like you know, it's like that time when Spock was retraining his mind. He's like readjust this waveform <laughs> for that so that protons can pass through, but anti neutrons can't. It's like would 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 I ever use this? It's like cursive. When am I ever gonna use this in my Star Trek life? And it's like okay, especially in the future. We're so dependent on the technology and the computer. It's like I get understanding some of the theory. I get understanding, you know, how the things work. But, you know, I feel like as a society, even now, we're moving more and more into a time of, okay, yes, I could learn and do advanced math times tables in my head. Uh, and I may enter a field where that's valid. Or I could learn it and then dump it because I have a calculator on my phone that's always with me. Like you know we're we're more putting things in the machine and just recalling what we need when we need it rather than i have to learn everything about everything and just keep it in my head at least that's that's my view but the problem isn't can we buy wesley as as an isaac newton or or an albert einstein because i i can i mean you know which those guys can play a real mean hand of poker it's <laughs> it's true it's true you know, that's not the issue. They can't touch Stephen Hawking. And that guy <laughs> just wins every time. Fine, like we get, you know, I, I, you know, being Picard's possibly, you know, um, illegitimate son. We don't know. Um, <laughs> you know. Not the illegitimate son. Of Picard. <laughs> we don't know. We've never ever. Although Picard did feign a lot of like, <laughs> wait. This is your son? Yes. Apparently, you've just... I'm just saying there's no reason Jack Crusher had to go on that away mission. It's all I'm saying. Just watch Wesley's hairline is all we're saying. (laughs) He's growing... You know what? He's got a serious beard. It's possible he's also Riker's illegitimate son at this point. So, (laughs) Uh, but you know, we hadn't even met Riker. Wait, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Look, come on now. Come on now. Um, You mean you mean William Riker? 
Anyways, it's not important. Um, no, but you know, it's I, I can buy I can buy Wesley as this like super genius that's apparently smarter. Well, maybe not smarter than Android, but you know what I'm saying. I can buy him as this really intelligent character. It's just the 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 writing in the beginning and even towards the middle, like when they're not really sure what they want to do with the character. Well, really, frankly, even towards the end, it's like really inconsistent with that. Like, wouldn't he be like a super crazy awesome asset to have? for Starfleet, like, why should he have to, like, he, you're right, he completely saves the, the Enterprise a dozen times over. And and then he's got to still apply to Starfleet Academy 72 times. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, how many, um, you know, how many hours of flight time have you recorded on the on the flagship? Oh, 2,000? That's not enough. Come back when you've, you've hit 3,000 or something <laughs> like that. Like, well, I have a good example of a similar character done very well. If either of you watch Stargate Universe, uh, there's a character called Eli, and he's kind of that, you know, person who's just brought in, doesn't know anything about the Stargate program. But in a nutshell, he is a gamer, and he solves this problem within one of those, you know, MMORPGs. And that was actually a test to to see if, like, you had this aptitude uh, for this kind of thinking and technology. And so he's brought onto the ship uh, with that skill, but he's actually really smart, but he's still a normal guy. And, but he was, but he, but he's kept smart and he does solve problems, but he doesn't solve problems because the script demands it or because, you know, in an annoying way. And so I think that character was, is kind of a Wesley Crusher, but, but written better. So would we say Wesley had a high amount of metachlorodines or midichlorians, Philip? <laughs> we know you don't like not my fandom. I don't. Well, you know, you had mentioned it, which I, which I also thought was was hilarious because they kept mentioning it throughout season one and season two. It's like, well, Mister Crusher, you know, as long as you're under the tutelage of Commander Riker, and Commander Riker will have your studies. And I'm like, he wasn't supervising anyone. <laughs> like, I, I think, like, you know, no. it was that one time, like, uh, Commander Riker, I'm here with my homework, and then Will looks at it and is like, uh, looks good to me. Okay. <laughs> Have fun. Did you use a number two pad? Okay, then I'll uh, just punch it into the computer and it'll tell me if you've got any of the answers wrong. <laughs> it reminds me of like that time in the nth degree when like Barkley's just ex- explaining all that smart stuff to Will and his eyes just glaze over and he's like, uh-huh, okay. Well, and, and wait, again, why why is this Will's job? I mean, if there are there's at least an elementary type school so you so it's like wait, but we can't have a middle school and a high school on this ship. Like there are no junior high age kids and high school age kids that need a continuing education. We just don't want to show that. I, I assume, again, being the one that I guess is supposed to know twenty fourth century lifestyle choices and things. Um, I assume that it's it's you know it's not a rigid structured kind of education. And I think, actually, to be fair, it's portrayed at least semi-consistently with with um, with Wesley here because you know he's just working on stuff on his own, and presumably he submits it to someone who who then goes over it and 
but but you know what I mean. It's more of a maybe a like an individualized or or a self-realized curriculum where they say, hey, you know, Wesley's like, hey, today I want to study nanites, so I'll create an entire race of beings, you know, <laughs> and then we'll never ever talk about it again. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, it's got to be true. that kind of a thing. I think those loose guidelines always worked out. <laughs> I mean, they've never caused any sort of problem. I feel like Wesley has a free to think, you know, Beverly was very liberal in her education and she just wanted Wesley to do whatever he wants. And cause there wasn't a firm father's hand there. That's what the problem. Was. Right. So let's just say it. Cisco is the best parent in Trek. As far as I say, I mean, yeah. everyone in TNG um, is just, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Just, just let his son walk around the promenade and pick up Dabo girls. That's really what, <laughs> I'm just saying, in the 24th century, there are no, you know, A's, B's, C's, and D's. It's it's just smiley and frowny faces. That's that's all right, it is. There's, yeah. there's they're bloody A's. Bloody B's, bloody it's C's, destroy bloody the B's. ship or save the ship. That's the grade Wesley usually gets. So, you know, because that's the one thing I love about education, the 24th century. You have like the 10 year old and like. When the bell breaks, her role, they were like, Dad, why do I have to study calculus? I'm like, I was like barely getting, you know, I had like long division down by then. That was where I was in my stupid American education system. But didn't you, know, you like with the don't you evolution. love that I, I thought that yeah. was great. I thought that was amazing because like they're so far beyond calculus. Like I, I think that's wonderful. I love that scene, actually. It's like a baby's toy. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the future. I mean, not only do they have, not only do they have, you know, three hundred years of knowledge, you know, and experience of of just you know how the universe works, but they also have that amount of time uh, of experience with education. So that I assume that they could push all of the stuff that we think is advanced much much younger and then we would learn these crazy quantum theories and slipstream transportation and blah de blah 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 you know what i mean like way earlier so uh, you know you would have to otherwise how are we gonna how are we going to turn into lizards and lose our tongues well i feel like we are sep- our next topic may be education in the 24th century <laughs> does common does common core survive Stay tuned. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, one, one thing we talked about um, already, but I just want to get specifics here. Is like we talk about Wesley's relationships with with certain people. So let's just go with the obvious, or maybe the second obvious one. His mother. You know, again, he's he's was you know, it's uh, Encounter at Farpoint. You know, Doctor Beverly Crusher's a CMO. She's a single mom. You know, has her kid. So, and I know we make fun of it. So, but let's talk about. It. What do you think is sort of the mother son, mother abandoned son, mother comes back to son. <laughs> dynamic and i'll switch it around since we'll go with the parent of the group darren oh 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 fine keep it on my shoulders okay <laughs> no. uh well as we've proven in justice she does care about her son doesn't want him uh to die over needlessly but um i love that that's the line does the parent want the child to die no you're a good mom <laughs> <laughs> you're a good mom hey it's black and white okay just you know but no i think Wait, what was the question? Is she a good mother? Or well, no, don't, the Wesley, the Wesley Beverly dynamic. What you? I mean, what you think okay. about? Okay, it was it was all right. I think again, they're trying to, you know, balance. You know, how much do we see Wesley? I mean, he's not even there all seven seasons, so you know, we get a lot in the beginning, but 
you know, I, I again I compare it to a lot to like Cisco and Jake, where you see Jake like all the time. I mean, he's either doing something or he's or he's or whenever Cisco's in his quarters. I mean, we never see Beverly's quarters. Or, or we do like once or twice. I mean, okay, I know they're the same as Wesley's, but I'm saying it doesn't. It feels like this is Wesley's room, not this is Beverly's quarters. Like that's what it feels like. It's not like they came home to hang out. It, that's not what it feels like. It feels more like, oh, hi, son. I remember you. What did you do today? What do we know about this girl? You know, uh, I don't know. So uh, I don't know. It's again just could use much stronger writing. Well, Mom, I was analyzing the interior of the warp core, and if you change the entire, you know, inertia ratio of the... That's nice, son. So anyway, I have dinner ready. So, so, so Daniel, what about the mom what, and you son? You mean you pushed the button on the replicator, Mom? Because <laughs> really, like... She slaved over that saying. replicator. Uh, all I have to say about the Beverly-Wesley relationship is in the amazing episode. Of course, a season three episode. Oh, God, if I'm not getting that wrong. I believe it is a season three episode. Sarek, right? Sarek's at the season three episode. Um, she slaps him. She gives him right across the face. She just gives him the good old no. But seriously, I'm, I am just teasing. Um, but <laughs> shut up, Wesley. <clears throat> shut up, Wesley. Right now. Uh, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would never say that it's a realistic relationship, or that it's, or that it's even a really well done relationship. But I will say, <sighs> she's not a great mom. Um, but I, don't, I, I mean, I guess in, in a way that it's, it's, I don't think it's an intentional fault of the character. I, I just think that she's more focused on her career and she's just not worried. She's kind of like one degree lower than the woman who lost her son to the crystalline entity. Whereas she doesn't go crazy. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? She doesn't lose Wesley. So she doesn't go crazy. She's, she's just like, a, she's no, but seriously, she's the person who literally left Wesley in you know, and then to to pursue her career technically in season two. I mean, yes. I know there are there are more background reasons for that, but as the show is written and conceived and, and executed, yeah. she leaves her in world. Yeah, she leaves yeah. her son for the advancement of her career. Her very young son at the time, he must be thirteen or something. So she's not far off from that woman, and uh, that that is a fault of character. But I don't, uh, you know, um, as far as I know, again speaking as a non-parent. Um, not a great relationship, but maybe possibly not an unrealistic one. Not every parent wants to have kids. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I love that explanation. You know, yeah, she had to go to Starfleet Medical and she couldn't bring Wesley. Really? Was Earth full at the time? <laughs> Could he not fit on the planet? <laughs> These shuttles are really small. I'm sure the one she took all the way back. I mean... Would you like to spend a shuttle ride for three weeks with your mother to get back to Earth? <laughs> uh, well, and, and and I do want to give some some you know uh, characterization here. You know, again, I take everything for granted here. So you know, they have obviously the father's dies. So I mean, so mysteriously, you know, she loses her husband <laughs> and he loses her father or loses his father. Very young age too. I mean, I, I think he was probably really young. Um, but anyway, so that, that's sort of the dynamic there. But again, Daniel, I, I always think about, you know, you with the 24th century values. Like we would think like, oh, you know, I guess they're a single mom and, you know, no dad. And they said they have to be really close. I mean, like, well, do they? I mean, I, you know, that's a 20th, 21st century. Maybe everyone's fine. Maybe kids are more independent in the 24th century and they don't need their moms around the whole time. I don't know. 
and and I always enjoy like what you said, Darren. I do enjoy when Beverly walks into her quarters and sees her son and goes, "Hey, Wesso, how you doing?" It's you know, I mean, you're right. I I don't think they have to be close, but I, I mean, in a way, they do because what we're used to seeing is you know that that kind of relationship bloom. But I'm just thinking of like Encounter at Farpoint when we first see them. And they're talking to Riker, and she's like, go, go ahead, Wesley, you can tell him. And Wesley's like, Captain Picard carried my dad's body to us. And I was like, oh, my God, this sounds really dramatic. Like, I would never make anybody I cared about bring this memory up to some total stranger. I like how she makes the kid do it. <laughs> I, I don't want to do it, but the kid so, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's, believe me, I'm not saying it's a healthy or a great relationship. It is an interesting one, to, you know, in an interesting way. I, I just want to say that it's clear that they do both care about each other in some capacity, but whatever that is, I don't know. Well, and I, like you were saying, though, Philip, the 21st century versus 24th, I mean, 21st, it would seem more like, yeah, oh, we're closer. It's us versus the world. Like, we have to stick together. But 24th century. Well, I mean, that's very sad and that's traumatic, but we still have replicators. We still have transporters. We still are totally provided for in this society. Like it's not as impactful in like a monetary way or, or, you know, in, in that regard. So it, yeah, it would definitely be different. Jeremy Astor. Yes, Wesley is not, Wesley is not a latchkey kid. Um, yeah, it's, I, and I think we could definitely. In the 21st century, Philip. <laughs> Unless you go to Starfleet Academy, because those doors look pretty pretty 20th century to me. Um, and I think we could probably talk a lot more about this, but maybe we'll save that for our Beverly episode. But but um, let's let's move on to the other adult figure in Wesley's life, and that's Jean Luc Picard. Um, a very interesting dynamic, and 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 I know Daniel kind of just threw it out there, and and I think the the bonding, which is one of my favorite episodes, and I know I'm probably alone there, but that does that's the episode that really explores the Wesley Jean Luc dynamic about oh yeah by the way i do realize you killed my dad um you know <laughs> and you totally have the hots for my mom yeah. i mean really i i was here during the events of naked now like let's just, <laughs> I, 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 I may have been i was pretending to be drunk, drunk. <laughs> yeah, I was pretending to be drunk. um but but well I'll, I'll daniel i'll start with you first you know the jean luc wesley you know i obviously they're trying to go with the, the father son you know the the guy who hates children but apparently you know Probably should like his best friend's kid. I don't know. But what, what do you think about that, Daniel? Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it's... It, Would overall, you like a sandwich? <laughs> I love that. He, I love the sandwich stuff. I love Take it. Take a sandwich. <laughs> I love it. I love... Like I said, once the relationship gets established, I love it. Like, in the beginning, I don't like it at all. Like, when he... Like, uh, Darren mentioned when he comes... You know, when he when he gets into Doom mode... Uh, you know, Caf Castle Wolfenstein mode, and he goes into first-person mode and gets on the bridge, and it's all weird. I could do without that. <laughs> I'm okay without that. But, um, you know, the season one stuff, I'm all right without. But when when he gets established, and they go, you know, Samaritan Snare and stuff, and they're actually kind of really connecting on a really important level, then it actually gets to be an important uh, you know, so we, there are three fantastic Picard-Wesley episodes. We get Samaritan Snare, not not a fantastic episode overall, but 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 that that part of the episode's great. Final mission, 
uh, again, which is a super. It's the final. There's a thing coming. Shield down, dude. Again, final mission. Not a. An amazing episode overall, but the obviously the Wesley Picard stuff super important. If you like deserts, it's for you. <laughs> and like not. crazy old men who want to shoot at everything for the answer. <laughs> this is my whiskey, anyways. And um, <laughs> and then of course uh, we have my favorite the, in the episode. One of my favorite episodes of the, of the whole series is First Duty. And Philip likes to quote that episode. I know Philip will let you do that, but um, you we'll know, get to it. Yeah, th- you know, uh, yeah. I'm not trying to to jump over anything, but but three very important. You you can see a very consistent thread there. It's almost like there's, I don't know, there's like a, there's like a longer word. It begins with D, like a like a character de- de- development? development. Right? No, there. that's not it. We're no. talking about next generation. <laughs> um. No, there is there's a, there's a fantastic <laughs> thread. Um, Degradation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a fantastic thread that's weaved throughout. And like I said, it's not strong starting off. And even, you know, I I will say that there's just, there are just, there is amazing developments in that relationship. And there are moments that I'm like, man, what I wouldn't get, not that I, I, I want for, or I did at the time when I was younger, but not that I wanted for strong male leadership in my life but i'm just saying like if you're if you're going for that if you need that in your life what what how much better can you do than than captain picard really i i I submit that you cannot do any better than captain picard it's true and i mean and, and i think one of the things is that one of the the times that you see picard opening up the most other than counselor troy you know when he's in his you know let's have a counseling moment it's with wesley you know, he reveals to Wesley, you know, I didn't pass the Academy test the first time. And don't tell anyone that. But, you know, just make it. And then, you know, tells him about the Nausicaan incident and, the, and what happened to his heart and, and how what he was like when he was young. And we, we get all that because of his interaction with Wesley. Um, so, yeah. So, Darren, what about Picard, Wes? Yeah, I think you just you nailed it right there. Just the fact that, you know. I would like to see more uh, explanation of the deeper characters through Wesley. I mean, you know, especially with Picard, like, you know, when he's, when Wesley's walking him all the way to those 21st century medical doors in the, in in, uh, tapestry, you know, like, uh, or like leading up, you know, leading up to his surgery, you know, I I would like to see more of that, you know, and if Picard is uncomfortable you know, in quotes around children. Okay. Well, what age do they, does he become comfortable? Like he, you know, Wesley's like a teenager. <laughs> like it's very different than the, those, you know, the Captain Picard day kids making their little crayon drawings. Uh, Picard's like, have you been bomb mitzvahed? Okay. You're a man now. I'm good with you. You are now a man. You can now step <laughs> over this bridge, which is metaphorical and physical. But no, I, I always, I, but I always did enjoy those moments when Picard, you know, opened up to Wesley or, uh, you know, gave him a chance. Uh, you know, not so much the moments when he told him to shut up, but you That's know, right. the good moments. That was still the boy. Um, but yeah, because I and, and not to repeat myself, but you know, you have Picard not liking kids, but then it's his best friend's son. What does that mean? And it's also his complicated relationship lady son and you know what do you do about that so it it's an interesting dynamic here but okay well we we've kind of talked around it but let's get into 
acting ensign slash ensign crusher. Um, you, the guy who's there on the con, right? You know, the, the permanent con character for the most part. Um, God! Exactly. See, that made sense in that context. Um, <laughs> and, you know, going on missions and leading science teams and all that stuff. You know, he, he did a lot of engineering time. You know, a lot of stuff down there in engineering, telling Barkley he's an idiot. Um, so, you know, what, what do we think about Wesley as bridge officer, as as a Starfleet officer? Darren. I, I kind of would have almost expect him to be uh, a gold shirt. I mean, for as much as he does with engineering and being on, like, working with LaForge and Barkley, like, I was kind of surprised that he was a red shirt. Like, you know, we, and we, because let's be honest, we could use some more gold shirts. I mean, oh, okay, blue shirts were definitely in. Nobody right? wants a blue shirt. Nobody wants a, even Picard doesn't want a blue shirt. He <laughs> wanted to get out of there so fast. Come on now, guys. Come on. Dr. Salar. <laughs> come on. Nurse Ogawa. Come on. Come on. Well, except for medical, that was the problem. You didn't see a lot of science uh, blue shirts, you know. But and again, um, but anyway, no, I, I think you know he he did a good job as Khan. I mean, he did kind of bump Jordy out of that position, but Jordy, I think, got the better end of the deal being chief engineer than uh, than like head Khan officer. But um, I don't and know. They never, I mean, they never... Did expose him to a lot of things. I mean, you're kind of there on the bridge, like. When the captain's, you know, bluffing his way into something, uh, you know, he, he's right there on that giant view screen. You don't know where the camera is. You don't know if it's showing, like, just Picard's head or the entire bridge. I mean, you know, if you really need to pick your nose or scratch your eyebrow, now is not a good time in front of Ambassador Tomalak. <laughs> uh, what about you, Daniel? That's where I prefer him. That's where I like him. That's It makes sense to me. I mean, you know, the difference between season one and season two, Wesley, is mostly puberty. So that, that makes sense that we don't get to that point until mostly later on. But, uh, you know, I like I like when he gets there. And I mean, as ridiculous as this concept is of a of a 14 year old kid steering the, the flagship, you know, of the Federation. I do – I feel most comfortable with him there. I'm not annoyed with him. Like he's mostly competent. Um, yeah, well, and I, and I did – again, I'll always plug myself here. Um, I did a, an article about the children on the Enterprise D. And I think one thing that – and it sounds like you, you all like this more than I did – is that to me they made him an, an officer so quick that it, he was no longer like the kid on the Enterprise. He was just another – he was just a young officer. You know, it wasn't like, hey, it's like I'm there on the ship, you know, with my parents. It's it's just a really young officer. I mean, like there's no, you know, other than, you know, there's some comments about him being really young. But that kind of like stole his childhood by being a, a an ensign on there. So, but, but yeah, I mean, he was sort of that, like I said, constant con officer. Pre- you know, we had Roe in the back half of the series and Wes in the front half. And then um, a bunch of uh, nameless, I think, uh, female con officers in between that. And let's see. All right. So moving on here from Wesley saving and also getting the ship into trouble. Um, you know, Wesley's storyline went from child to acting ensign. And actually, before we move on, would you all think about him actually becoming an ensign? Because I think it was on Menage Troy when he once again misses, misses the bus. 
Um, and, and the crowd's like, well. Can we just turn the hood into a, a school? I mean, just bury ambassadors and be a school. Because it's always right there behind the Enterprise. But, so I, but actually, might as well. I always forget because, you know, that's the, you know, has that famous scene with Picard quoting Shakespeare with Locks on. That kind of takes over that episode in my mind. But actually, at the end of it, you have Wesley walking onto the bridge in the Starfleet uniform for the very first time. So what would you all think? You th- and, can, and we got to see him, you know, best of both worlds. He's there, the con, and then officer with an ensign pip. What would you all think about Wesley actually becoming a full ensign and throwing away the gray jumpsuit and gray comm badge and getting a real one? Daniel. It was just another, you know, another way for them to, the writers, to extend his stay on the Enterprise. I mean. We'll promote him, but keep him. Here. Yeah, I mean, which I don't, like, again, I don't. I don't. I don't mind it. I don't mind him being on the Enterprise, but it's just like you couldn't you come up with like maybe he's studying abroad or something. I don't. I don't know. Like, couldn't you instead of trying to stretch out that whole Starfleet Academy thing, just say some line of dialogue where he's you know doing hollow classes or something like I don't. I, you know, the University of Phoenix online. <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's a phoenix you <laughs> across know. across the universe or whatever. I don't know. Named after Cochrane's shuttle, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 that's <laughs> well, you go from Zephyr and Cochrane in high school to the University of Phoenix um, in Montana. Of phoenix. Um, oh, <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, well, and and I like. Well, yeah, know, that's actually a great. That's a great. A great point. Why does he have to actually physically go to the academy? Why can't he just go to the holodeck, you know, during class time, press the button, sit in the chair, suddenly he's holographically projected where they are, they're around him. Like, why does he physically have to be there? Why can't he telecommute to school? Again, Philip, we, we, we know that Star Wars isn't your thing, but in order to do that, you have to have a hood that covers half your face. You can never holographically project True. unless and it is very Star mysterious they, they and bad reception. <laughs> way exactly. better. Well, you know, it wasn't bad reception. It was just that they wanted to establish that these people weren't here. Not like let's draw a glowy <laughs> strip on the floor around the person, and then they may look like they're exactly here, but they're not. Uh, but that's for another discussion. But now uh, I liked his, uh, you know. The costume change is all right. I, I kind of liked him in the acting ensign. Like, you know, it, it set him apart. It was a, it was a nice costume. It was a good uniform. Uh, I think I like how eventually most ensign would would get the gray. Like in the in the in the DS Nine, like they had the gray jumpsuit with the red shoulders. You know, and I liked that. I liked how it kind of set them apart from being a full officer. Uh, you know, or someone who is you know graduated. I guess. He, and he, maybe they yeah. get stained with black. You know, maybe they have a Gatorade giant <laughs> container full of black ink, and when they graduate, they just dump it on them, and it just you know changes them from gray to black. I, that must be what happens. So, like for Nog, because he's he's kind of small, they just need like a, a regular pint. size Gatorade on them. Yeah, they don't <laughs> oh. have to do the whole thing. <laughs> Why you got to bash on Nog? I like yeah. I like Nog. Don't get me wrong. Go in the orb and do that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, though I think it's an odd thing to go from ensign to cadet. Like we're gonna we're gonna promote you and then demote you. Yeah, you, you can go to the academy now. Let me rip us rip take away this uniform. We won't be needing that for four years. Um, but but Wesley at the academy. Okay, so like like Daniel said, he goes away in final mission. Finally, finally, finally going to the academy, and then um, he he, he, he oh, wait, sorry we did that already. He makes a little cameo before we go to the academy. Right, the game. 
right? He comes back and we see him with, with his academy uniform in the game. Um, for the first time, we hear all the rumors being circulated, and apparently it's nothing but fraternity pranks there in San Francisco all the time. Um, and then we see the first duty, you know, there with, with some troubles, which I guess we'll talk about. But, but Daniel, since you, what, what did you think about the cadet, cadet crusher? I love it. I love it. I think it's great. I, uh, I, I wish we got to see more. I'm very disappointed what they do, um, you know, after the episode. I, I, I kind of... I, I, you know, they set him back a year at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. um, and which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the next time we see him, he just hangs up his Starfleet uniform. And I, I mean, we'll talk about that later. That's that's not important. I love that. I love that episode, though. Um, it's one of my absolute favorite episodes in all of Star Trek. I, what, what's not to love? We get to see. Correct me if I'm wrong. We get to see um, Starfleet Academy for the first time, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And we see Boothby and, you know, like, it's just a really interesting episode. And plus, it's really, the themes are really powerful. We also get to see one of the greatest characters in Voyager. Uh, for some reason, they keep calling him Nick. I don't know why, but, you know, um, so there's a lot of really. I, I know why. <laughs> there's a, there, you know, to the journey, to the journey. <laughs> there's a lot of really great parts to the episode. So, I mean. It's one of those episodes I look back on and I'm like, there's, I don't have any complaint. Oh my goodness. Plus, uh, Ensign Sato comes back for, uh, you know, Lower Decks, which is my favorite episode of all time. So there's there really like literally nothing I, I have to complain Hashtag about. Hashtag continuity. For. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what is that? That's four seasons later, three seasons later. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I love seeing Wesley at the Academy. It, I, I won't go so far to say that I wish there was, um, like, a separate series of that. But I will say that if we're going to have a Q episode every season and we were going to have a, uh, you know, a, a uh, Barkley season or episode every season, and we're going to have at least seven holodeck episodes every season. Why could we not have a Wesley Crusher at the Academy episode every season? I, it's like, it's like Hogwarts. Why the heck could we not do that? I think we should. Or why does he, have to go to the academy on earth i mean you're saying in the entire federation that spans hundreds of systems that there isn't like a couple other campuses of starfleet academy so why couldn't he be one that's much closer and then we actually see him because i get that the enterprise wouldn't go back to earth like every you know year to check in on him but well, like it, and I was watching First Duty the other day, actually, um, and they talk about you know, he's a member of the Nova Squadron, if you remember, and they're like, "Yeah, the Nova Squadron beat the team from wherever." I'm like, "Is this like Hogwarts? Is there like a like four other schools that you go to to be commissioned in Starfleet?" Yeah, it's the, uh, the the Tal Shiar Academy, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, Obsidian Order Academy, and uh, does the other schools arrive uh, out of a boat uh, from San Francisco Bay and come up? And anyway, I don't know. Um, and they they have the the try the try Starfleet Academy tournament. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you're you're bending the genres a little. What well, else was no. Wesley in? That's what I want to know. Oh, he would have been in Ravenclaw. I'm sorry. Well, apparently Slytherin, judging by the first duty. That's all I'm saying. He didn't do anything wrong. Okay, we won't get into that. <laughs> the first duty is the truth. <laughs> But I mean, I, I do want to make a point. What, what you said, because uh, talking about Wesley's character, 
because I mean that is I mean and I've unfortunately been in a similar position where where you're in that position where you do something and you have the consequences and like Wesley could have just said like I quit the academy you know forget it you know I mean I tried you know I'm not going to do this again but to like okay not only do you have to repeat a year you have to stay here where everybody knows what you did. And you, there's that dead friend, and where everyone, everybody yeah. knows your name. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So I mean that, and that is, I mean that's that's definitely a, a character builder there, or destroyer possibly. So I mean I think that definitely does say a lot about Wesley that he sort of accepted that challenge because it would have been a whole lot easier for him to be like, yeah, I mean I'm glad I told the truth and everything, but I'll be in Ryza now. Bye, see ya. But it does kind of. It seems like it almost kind of disillusions him with Starfleet because, again, the, one of the few next times we see him is he resigns. He's like, "Hey, I don't, I don't agree with what you're doing, and I'm Mr. Wonderkin going to go off with the Traveler now." Which to the, to I have the Wonderkin this re- point when they reference that it's like Mozart and Einstein. I'm like, okay, so are we saying that there's pretty much no super intelligent special people from the year like what? 20 like 2000 to mm-hmm. 2359 like because we i never hear about those people why don't we hear about those people philip you know who else was really smart con that's who con. Yes, besides con they're always talking about con but yeah con's the new hitler um so well you, you talked about it darren so let's go into it journey's end um, I haven't seen this one in a while, so I, I mean, I'm, I, I saw it obviously, but I'm, I'm, I'll pretend. It's also not... known as the one with the Native Americans. <laughs> right, Voyager. Right. <laughs> to the journey. So, so what? Yeah, it's 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 been a while, but what do y'all think? Journeys. I mean, this is the Mach- It's about the Maquis, kind of. I mean, because it's about the Cardassians and, and all that. Um, I mean, they don't say Maquis, or I don't know if they do or not. But um, I mean, what y'all think about Journeys? In again, I. I I remember it does remind me again not to keep drawing on on Harry Potter in like Order of the, I think Order of the Phoenix where Harry's just like kicking rocks the whole book. Oh no one wants to <laughs> Um that's basically Wesley that I remember in Journey's End being like, Oh life's tough. No, feel sorry for me. I'm a sullen teenager and I'm wearing dark clothes and have eye makeup now. But I mean I don't I don't I don't remember. Like what what would you think, Darren? Journey's End. Well, the hard thing with Journey's End is it reminds me of this other episode called Star Trek Insurrection. And it's like it's almost the exact same story, but yet the characters act so differently. And it just always it spoils Journey's End for me because I'm like, this is how the movie people should have acted. They shouldn't have been like, well, you know, we or 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 actually or I'm getting confused. Like one way or the other. But. I think I get Picard's view and I get Wesley's view, but it's like, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's a weird conundrum, but not the movie episode, but, 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 uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think what was, it's almost a little too late for Wesley. It's like, okay, like you're, you're standing your ground now. You're, you're making a decision and you're gone. You know, it's like, could we have gotten this maybe season five? Well, and I think, and like I said, Daniel, you might have to help me too, because the thing about the Wesley, and 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 maybe I'm not saying it was wrong, but I think it does hurt that Wesley wants to be in Starfleet, wants to be in Starfleet. What's his whole life been? Wants to be in Starfleet, wants to be in Starfleet, and then he goes to the academy and has the trouble in first duty, and then like journeys in, it's like 
I don't want to be in a surf anymore. Which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having childhood dreams and you go do it and you're like, that's eh, not for me. You know, kind of disappointing. But, I mean, I think that's kind of what strikes me about the character is, like, how do you define Wesley? Starfleet. And then, nah, forget it. It's not for me. Something like, I, do you remember the Daniel kind of, what was his mindset there? What was his sort of just restlessness? I mean, like to you, uh, uh, Journey's End is a very frustrating episode to me for the very same reason. It's like, are you kidding me? This is the the characteristic that defines Wesley throughout the entire series. Like, we we get told, uh, you know, that he's going to be doing these amazing things, and and I mean, of course, not specifically that he's going to do these amazing things in in Starfleet, but like you kind of get the sense that he's gonna he's gonna kind of go up the ladder and maybe. And I, I actually, I'm pretty sure, and you guys can correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure he does do this in the books, right? Doesn't he eventually come back to to be in Starfleet? And well, and, we'll talk about the deleted scene. Oh, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Um, but uh, you know, I, I hate that episode. It continues the season one and season two episode of having uh, a racist episode per season, right? So we have Code of Honor, and then we have uh, Up the Long Ladder that Philip loves so much. Um, I'm sure there might be more, but, but, but then we have this episode as well. And it's like, uh, like, there's nothing good about this episode. There's nothing redeeming. The only redeeming thing is that we have a season one character showing up in season seven, which is like Philip likes to say, hashtag continuity. That's right. Well, and I think this is the problem for me. And, And again, I have to see this episode again, but like, okay, you can have Wesley redefining himself again. It'd be frustrating but it'd be fine if it had been like, okay, I've decided to do X instead or Y instead. You know, Starfleet isn't for me for whatever reason. Because, again, I can't, I'd have to watch the episode. I can't remember his specific frustrations or rest. Other than just he doesn't want to be his dad. He doesn't want to be Picard. He wants to be a, fine. Okay, that's fine. Just say, oh, now I'm doing X. Okay, good luck to you, Wesley. But what does he do instead? He evolves into an energy being and becomes the <laughs> Traveler. I mean, really, Darren? <laughs> what, what, what is this? I mean, what, what's going on here? Yes, the, the Jack slash Jean Luc and Bev's offspring is an energy being. I don't, you know, he basically kisses, if you want to phrase it. So, so Darren, I mean, what, what's the, the higher energy being development of Wesley? Well, it's because that's how the traveler procreates. They don't actually have children; they just find special special kids out there from other species and then basically they're a cult and they suck them up organization and give them all these powers (laughs) hey kid would you like some powers here's your nike sneakers (laughs) wesley people say that q is the reoccurring villain throughout all of tng it's actually the traveler uh it's just he's really subtle about it as he brainwashes young Wesley Crusher into making poor choices. That, that's, that's, that's my story. <laughs> and, and Daniel, I mean, I don't know. What, what, what's, what do you think this is? You know, I hate to say this because I know, you know, the three of us, we've talked about this extensively. Uh, the, uh, a lot of criticisms that TNG faces, I think, are a little unfair. Not, not completely unfounded, but a little unfair. But I will say that the way that they dealt with the departure of Wesley is really ridiculous. It's convenient and easy, and they just said, oh, hey, there was an episode where this guy that had a three-fingered glove really obviously had some kind of thing for Wesley, and he had magical powers, so he shows up and then removes Wesley from the equation completely. And then later on, you know, in... 
I mean, I think any series that takes a main character and has them disappear into a wall of light, that's just lazy writing. Any series that would do that, I just couldn't understand that. You know, and it's just, you know, like like I said, it's not, I don't know. To me, it's frustrating because Wesley is ultimately, maybe not to everybody, maybe a lot of people hate him and, and I'm on the opposite side of most people. But especially towards the end there, I was like, you know, especially towards his Academy years, I was like, okay, he could be an interesting recurring character at this point. I mean, he was really, you know, Will Wheaton was very, very busy, with, you know, doing, you know, films and stuff. So that's why he had to leave the show. I'm sorry, Will Wheaton, that was, that was uncalled Choice for. Soldiers. Please come on the show. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, it's just like... Okay, fine. If he's going to leave the show and you're going to have him as a recurring thing, especially a possibility of a recurring thing in the movies, which I'm sure we'll touch on real quick, um, don't 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 ruin his character by like making him something he never ever ever was. I, I just it frustrates me a lot. Yeah, I don't any anything, Darren, about the ball of light before we move on to Nemesis. Mm, no, it's a cult. That's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, okay, that's right. It's a cult. <laughs> that's all it says. <laughs> uh, well, in in because I think that's a frustrating. Again, I, I don't I don't mind him having a life change, but evolving into a higher energy being is where I draw the line. That's where the line must be drawn. No further. Um, so in Star Trek Nemesis, depending on how you view the movie, <laughs> literally, what, what what you hit when you're watching the DVD or Blu-ray, um, you can see Wesley. <laughs> And unless you're watching, you know, if you don't hit the right button, you won't see him. But um, apparently in Nemesis, he is seen at um, uh, the the Troy, the Troy's wedding. Um, he is, um, by all accounts, a lieutenant junior grade in his dress uniform. Um, and I think this is not said, but I think this is kind of extrapolated that he's going to be the assistant chief or the assistant. I guess he can't be assistant chief. Anyway, the assistant chief engineer on the Titan with Captain Riker. So I, I, that's a little, I don't know. But at least you see him in a uniform. He has lieutenant junior grade rank. So Now is it a gold uniform? Because, again, it, it, you're on the engineer team. With those dress – probably be in gold. Those dress it uniforms was, are hard to look at. I mean, it, without – like, you know, it's just the blue in the middle and the white. It looked like he had a red braid on the top, but I don't know if they all have that or not. So I, would, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so that, that was – I don't know if you want to believe it or not because it's a deleted scene. But you have, you know – um, Wes talking to someone and then go, going away to chat up some girl. So that's... I consider it canon. I do. Um, maybe I'm the only one here that does. Um, but like the seatbelt scene... Oh, God. It's, it's not the most important scene deleted from... Yeah, Nemesis, it seems so. like there are... Uh, it seems like most of the stuff that was cut from Nemesis is actually the really important stuff. <laughs> that's a real movie uh, to watch. Just watch the deleted scenes. You've seen the movie. The, even the same thing, right? With the final data Picard scene is cut down, isn't it, as oh, well? Yeah. And so it's like really interesting because there there's a lot of stuff there that could have made for a really so well we'll get into it on our nemesis podcast but yeah but, but I mean um, but to fill in the gaps how do you go from assistant travel yeah. to assistant well they did, you know what they did they did is they did what I did in my mind they just cut that episode out completely and I'm glad they did I'm glad there was no like throwaway line of like. Hey Wesley, why aren't you a being made of light right now? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, you know, in the in the movie before, they're like, "Hey Warp, how's your dead wife?" So yeah, they, they didn't really. <laughs> I was gonna say that's why Warp's drinking Romulan ale because he's like, "No one came to my wedding." Because you didn't invite us, Warp. 
I totally dispatched a relay by Admiral Hanson. <laughs> I forgot he is dead from the Battle of Wolf 359. O'Brien didn't tell me the communications weren't working on Deep Space Nine that day. So. Oh, goodness. Well, we've been talking about Wesley Crusher for a while, so I, I just wanted quickly, we have not done this before in any of our character profiles, but I just wanted to bend the rules here, much like Wesley does, um, and actually talk about the actor. Um, and that's Will Wheaton because, you know, we talked about, you know, when, when he was younger doing a lot of movie work, but now he's sort of a, a linchpin of the 21st century nerd culture. So just, just briefly, um, I want to talk about Will Wheaton himself, you know, who, who grew up literally on Star Trek, the next generation on set. And now he, he runs, um, a YouTube channel with Felicia day, geek and sundry, um, tabletop, which is one of my favorite channels, which shows, um, gaming, uh, Different and has different celebrities and friends that he plays with. You know, he's married, has uh, stepchildren, um, and he, he he's doing a whole bunch of other, to use a word, enterprises, um, geek and nerd culture centered. And I think he's going to have a project soon on the Sci-Fi Network and stuff like that. So just you know, throwing that out. What, what do you all think about how Will Wheaton himself has kind of risen up? You know, Big Bang Theory, all that. So so Darren. You know this this character on on Star Trek who you may or may not have liked. What do you think of the actor now who's out and about there in the world? Oh, I think it's it's really fun seeing what he's doing right now. It's just all these great projects. Uh, I, I, he seems to be almost the most active member of the Enterprise crew, at least nowadays. Uh, I mean, maybe that's partially his age. Maybe she, maybe that's partly just his luck and just the projects he's been a part of, but. Uh, yeah, I remember getting to see him at a live taping of the Big Bang Theory, and that was really fun. And he's just embracing that role as, quote-unquote, evil Will Wheaton. He's, like, literally playing himself in a different way. Aaron, did you say Wheaton or Wheaton? <laughs> we- Wheaton. Wheaton. Why are you pronouncing that? Why, why are you putting so much emphasis on the H? <laughs> but... No, I think it's fun, and uh, yeah, it's really great for him with the uh, the the Will Wheaton project coming up on Sci-Fi and Tabletop is now going to have a third season due to their you know successful Kickstarter. Uh, so yeah, he's I'd say I put him right up there with like Zachary Levi as far as you know kind of ambassadors of geekdom uh, right now. So it's it's really cool and and it's definitely fun to he's he just seems like a really humble guy you know as he would say he's just a guy you know you know just. Just a guy kind of having fun. He, he knows a lot about piloting starships, and uh, you should listen to him on those on those facts. And and Daniel, what, what do you want to say nice about Will so he'll come on our podcast? I love you, Will. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I I think he's great. Um, I'm a big. I'm actually a big big. Wow, that's a, a big big a big big bang fear. Whoa! Tone it down. Tone it down. Right, but about, you still I love mean, you still love community more though. You still love community. Say you I love do, community of course more. I do. I do love community. <laughs> oh, and chaos. And to be oh, fair, be, you can tell which you know. I'm a TNG guy, and Levar Burton shows up on Community, and he's a bigger part of TNG, so it makes sense <laughs> that I'm a bigger Community fan. But I am a Big Bang Theory fan, so of course I also like the fact that uh, Will Wheaton shows up on there. Also. Though I didn't see him in those episodes, I did. I, I, I am aware that he showed up on Felicia Day's uh, web series, oh, the, yeah, the Guild, Guild. Yeah. long yeah. before you know they did their joint thing. So um, anybody that's associated with Felicia Day, much like Nathan Fillion from Firefly, is gets a pass from me. No, of course, I'm just saying this is we're getting <laughs> into way too many fandoms at this point. Uh, yes, Will Wheaton seems like a great guy. He seems 
super awesome. He should come on our show because we would have so much fun talking to him. Um, what you know? What bad can you say? You guys saw the video, right? Let's keep it you know topical. You guys saw the oh, video, yeah. you know, not too long ago that went viral with Will Wheaton. You talking to a, a young fan in convention who. You know who's that? He who asked him basically. You know, did did people call you like nerdy or like a dork or, you know, when you were in high school? And Philip, are you aware? Because apparently Darren is, but I don't know if you are. Yeah, yeah, I didn't watch it myself, but I heard about it. Okay, well, so anybody here that's listening, check that out because it's actually a really, really heartwarming and touching response. Uh, anyways, he was at a con and and one of his fans, you know, I don't remember if it was a young lady or a young man, but they they must have they must have been like younger than 10 and they asked him how you know how did you deal with i think i think they weren't there and the mother was there and said i want to record this you know my daughter she's like you know i'm getting picked on like about for being a nerd and stuff and he just goes into this eloquent speech it almost seemed like he totally prepared it but you i mean i'm sure it was off the The first duty of a nerd is to the super <laughs> it's to no, their fandom. No. <laughs> no, no, it is. It's a beautiful and touching speech, and uh, and you can tell. You know, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, people, people who who feel strongly about things as we do, you know, they don't really reach celebrity status. So you can tell that he's actually a, a real big advocate for people. You know, people who are who are like some a lot of us. I would say so. Anyways, I you know personally I think that he's a wonderful as far as oh, what I know, he's a wonderful human being and and I just I I'm just come on Will Wheaton, come on the show right now. And you can tweet him at WILW, that's uh, at WILW. Um and yeah, cuz I think the convention I saw him at years ago or not yeah, years ago actually, now that I think about it. Um it was him and Brent Spiner and he was basically telling explaining to Brent Spiner what net neutrality was cuz that was when the sofa or sofa whatever that bill was before Congress and so it was kind of funny to hear, you know, Will Wheaton. So he sofa. he definitely does have very strong beliefs and especially yeah, sofa. There you go about and about nerd culture. Well, guys, it's been great, and, and there's a lot more we could talk about, like I said, with this character. You know, controversial and divisive, but certainly is an integral part of the next generation. And so it's been fun talking about Wesley Crusher today, but this is just one of the many Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek.fm this week. Here's a quick look at what else you may have missed on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Dr. McCoy with Larry Nemechek. But, you know, when everybody else had their Kirk shirt or their Spock shirt, like the first uniform I had my mom make me was a McCoy uniform, of course. Earl Grey. The 7-7 Challenge. Did you know that Tim Russ was one of the possible choices for Commander Jordan? But did you know he was also in Star Trek Generations? But did you know he was also served with Captain Sulu on board the Excelsior? I did know that, in fact. The Orb. Our Man Bashir Commentary. I love Avery. Tell me what happens next. <laughs> and the look, the look up at an angle. He's yes. not even looking at Bashir. He's no. looking up at the angle. Tell me it's... what happens next. The ready room. Spectre of the gun. They just, they're so quick to jump to conclusions. Like the guy gets shot in front of them and they're like, death is the only thing that's real on this planet. And like, wait a minute, <laughs> how do you know that? That could just be a total figment of your imagination as well. To the journey! Favorite son commentary. Yeah, Janeway is... Uh, you better get more coffee, sweetie. It's going to be a long day. Ensign Kim is going to put you through some hell. Warp 5. 
alternate outcomes of the Zindi crisis. But inter- the Enterprise is heavily damaged. We're talking practically destroyed. Everything but a shell. Maybe the saucer se- section is the only thing that's still around. And 80% of the crew dies. Commentary, Trek stars. Rick Berman and Star Trek. It's kind of a moving target. So he found some dimensionality. He made it into a cube. Yeah. And so he was able to move things around in there. A board cube. Mm. <laughs> Continuing mission. Star Trek Equinox. John Savage actually came up with the premise for the story, but we, they needed somebody to flesh it out, to develop it. And so they sent me John's premise, and I just, well, it expanded into the script for the project that we're doing. Melodic Treks. The Borg in Music. In when when they released it as a Blu-ray, they combined them. They connected yeah. them, and there's the no feature. delay. There's they, they cut off that music, and then it's just like, oh, that didn't work. Literary treks. Rise of the Federation, Tower of Babel. Saval talks about this idea that you know people mutually consent to abide by these rules for their collective benefit. The idea that you know a- absolute unfettered freedom is just a ridiculous idea. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you'd like to contact us to share your thoughts about the Prime Directive and what it means and how you've broken it lately, um, you can just go to trek.fm slash contact, and from there, choose the form uh, that says Send a Show and select Earl Grey. Uh, these messages will be emailed to the three of us, and you can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page on trek.fm to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, which we've never gotten one, so we'd love for you to be our first. The conversation is always going on with our podcast crew and other listeners in our forums section at trek.fm slash forums. And finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each and every week. And our sponsor for this show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers to include Star Trek The Next Generation titles such as Reunion, narrated by Gates McFadden, and The Valiant, narrated by TV's Giles, Anthony Stewart Head. Audible has something for everyone. And as a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today and catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've had yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's a way you can help us directly to support Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's by adopting some cool-looking alien illustrations. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on trek.fm. 
They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which alien you would like and in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. All right, Darren, if someone wants to tweet you about how you can get Will Wheaton to come on our show, where can they find you on the Internet? They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. They can also listen to my other podcast, which is called The Dr. Sci-Fi Show, where I talk about different uh, sci-fi topics each month. I think we're wrapping up a series on toys right now. We had a great episode about Playmates toys, the Star Trek one. And we'll be moving into space soon. So uh, both of those uh, are available on iTunes. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. And if anyone has a Wesley Crusher Playmate figure, please feel free to send it to us. <laughs> and the actual figure. I, I don't want a photo. I want the figure. Um, and Daniel, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me uh, on Twitter as well, at 1UpDan. And that is uh, the number one, not the word, where I'm often found 1Upping most of my TNG uh, heroes, especially Will Wheaton. So, I mean, Will, if you want to challenge me, come on the show and we can do it one-on-one. And and if uh, people want to find me and and if Will, if you're listening, you want to do a tabletop with the Earl Grey crew, we're available. Um, we play a mean... My God, that would be the best thing. <laughs> we play a mean Star Trek scene it. Uh, right. As some folks may know, um, but you can find me at, on Twitter as well. My handle is at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina. I'll go to California. Will I will do that for you? Um, I'm already here, so yeah, well, that's like a third of the people don't even have to fly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I have to go see if I still uh, fit into my sweater from a few years ago. So uh, we'll see everyone here next week. Make it so. Engage. Live long and prosper. Fire.